This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What Billy up? This is the game. Yeah. It's a uh, cat and mouse. Smoked a turkey. <laughs> He is down. He is freaking down. Said he shot an absolute giant. Fall Obsession, baby. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another Fall Obsession podcast. I will be your host today, Nick Powell with Fall Obsession. Uh, and today I have a pretty cool guest, that one that I have been uh, kind of keeping my eye on and, and wanting to get on the podcast here for a while, um, mainly because we kind of hunt the same area, and um, it's, it's not very often that that happens for a guy like me that hunts in a, in a super populated area. So, uh, today I have Chad Jones joining us on the podcast. Chad, what is up, man? Hey, what's up, brother? Just, uh, glad to be on here, man. Yeah, man. Glad to get you on here. Finally. I know we, we've been waiting on it for, I don't know, about a month now, probably, or I brought it up to you about a month ago. And so glad we were able to, to get you on here. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you've got a a couple of uh, crazy good deer that, that you've seen around this area. And I know I've, I've got some pictures of some good ones um, as well. So looking forward to diving in with you. For sure. Uh, so I guess to start off, let's just kind of get, get your background, where you're from, where you where you grew up, how you got into hunting, you know, with, uh, and just kind of what your story is. So I'll let you, I'll let you have the floor. Okay. Well, um, yeah, so I've I grew up in McKinney, um, born and raised there, uh, you know, for anybody that doesn't know, it's just about 30 miles north of Dallas in, in Texas, North Texas. So, um, grew up there, you know, finished high school there, went off to college at Texas tech, uh, got my degree there, moved back to the McKinney area. Um, and then started looking for a place to, to call home and, of course, McKinney had, had changed so much uh, since then, uh, so we just kind of moved to a little bit smaller town just outside of McKinney and built a home on the lake so I can fish and 
and do stuff that we used to do in the small town of McKinney. That's, you know, not so small anymore. And, um, and so that's, that's where we currently reside is just East of McKinney a little bit. So, um, but in terms of what got me into hunting, man, I was pretty much, you could pretty much just say born into it. Um, my dad, you know, he's, he's hunted his whole life and, um, he used to do a lot of public land hunting, um, at like Crockett national forest. I'm not sure if you're, uh, familiar with that, but it's out in, in East Texas. Okay. Um, we were always going somewhere hunting, but I mean, he was dragging me around when I was four years old. Um, you know, so he would take like a camouflage tarp and wrap me and my brother up in it. And, you know, <laughs> we would play with sticks and bugs and everything while he would hunt and, and, uh, you know, so just over the years, I mean, that's, that's kind of what developed is just watching, you know, what he did, um, in, in terms of, um, you know, from what he was packing, what he was carrying, how he hunted, you know, just, you know, you just pick up bits and pieces of it, even though at the time I was so young, not really realizing what, what it was, but that was kind of what molded, you know, um, how I approached hunting, um, sure. you know, later in life. So, but yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it started when I was, you know, little, little. So. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. And it's funny how a lot of us pretty much have the same story. Uh, you know, our, our dad's hunted and our dad's dad hunted. And so, uh, it's interesting to, to hear everybody's background, but then you also have the folks who never grew up hunting and weren't, never grew up around it. And, but now it's interest interesting them now. And so it's, it's pretty interesting to hear everybody's everybody's background, see where they came from, how they get how they got yeah. involved. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, regardless to when, you know, when people actually start hunting, you know, I mean, I guess what it really all boils boils down to is that they are now, you know, and exactly, you, you can instantly relate with somebody, you know, that shares, you know, the same the same passion, regardless whether it's hunting, fishing camping whatever you know it just kind of gives you that common interest so yeah I, I enjoy talking to talking to people you know about you know what they do and how they've done it and where it started it's it's always fascinating to me yeah absolutely um so i know uh just checking out your instagram um you've gotten a couple of, of pretty big deer to say the least, and right here in Collin County. And I know for our listeners, I hunt in Collin County. Uh, and so it, it definitely piques my ears when I hear, you know, of a big deer coming from Collin County. And so I think everybody around this area heard about your deer in 2018. Um, but there's also some kind of limiting factors uh, to hunting in Collin County. It, with it being, you know, a high populated area, the certain restrictions that we have to hunt uh, with, um, what kind of strategies and tactics do you use in an area like this? And, and honestly, this is, this really isn't for our listeners. This is more for me <laughs> seeing if I could pick up something. <laughs> well, it's, um, it depends to me on, on the situation. So one of the, one, like I say, I've got three leases in, in Collin County, um, two of them are extremely high pressured. Uh, and when I say that, I mean, like there's hunters like on the other side of the creeks or on the other side of the fence or the adjoining property. Um, there's hunters all over. Gotcha. So, so my strategies for those areas are completely different than the ones that aren't pressured. Um, 
just because a lot of times, you know, what I'll do is if it's early season before all that pressure comes in, um, you know, then my main focus is really I'm only hunting afternoons um, and I'm only hunting near food sources. Um, and, you know, if I'm not getting tagged out or the deer are still hot and the deer aren't moving, um, you know, then I, I just don't hunt unless it's a cool front. I mean, so a reason for those deer, if, if they're not patternable, if they're not doing that every day, sometimes I won't go hunt until right before Halloween in October. Gotcha. Um, I kind of let the trail cameras tell me when I need to be out there hunting. Um, but if, if there's deer coming in, you know, every afternoon and feeding in a food plot or, or on an ag field or something, then you bet, man, if the wind's right, I'm going. But, but what I have to keep in mind is I also know that there's other hunters that are also going in open weekend or they're going in, you know, as much as they can every weekend and right. in October. And so a lot of times I'm looking at what the wind's doing versus where, you know, poor bedding areas. And if those guys are hunting over there and the wind is, is a bad wind uh, or it's blowing into those bedding areas from somebody, you know, a hunter across the Creek from me, then a lot of times I won't hunt then either, or I'll hunt on the, on the downwind side on the complete opposite end. So that way, if anything, it's pushing the deer the opposite direction. Cause obviously they're not going to go where they smell somebody, right? you know, it, it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of cat and mouse um, really. Um, but I mean, we've, we've got probably on, on the largest portion that I lease um, we've probably got 16 hunters um, around us. Gotcha. And, and that's quite a bit. Right. Yeah, when absolutely. I said, I'm talking just on across the fence or, or on the other side of the Creek. Gotcha. And these, and these leases that you have, they're not big properties. Is that right? No, I've, I've got one that's about, uh, 20 acres. I have another one that's around 200. Um, and then another one that's about 600. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, cause that's, I only have one piece of ground that I hunt and it's, it's the area that's huntable is, probably 20 to 30 acres uh, total and it's you know right along a creek which those deer like to travel across along those creeks and so we definitely try and hit that up a little bit more Um, but you said you hunt over food sources what what kind of food sources are you hunting over um well i I normally don't do um i don't hunt over spin cast feeders um you know, really, I, I run spin. Uh, you know, I'll run spin cast feeders, but it's only for um, for antler growth. Like I'll run, you know, protein, uh, like a protein mix or something. Whenever gotcha. you know, basically from like April to August, uh, whenever the antler growth is coming in, I'll run protein, and then I'll you know I'll leave the spin cast running just to shoot you know pigs and things like that. But um, I've never shot. I've never shot a mature deer, um, at a spin cast feeder. Okay. Gotcha. That makes sense, man. I've, I've just watched it for years and years to mature bucks will avoid those things like the plague, unless it's under the cover of darkness or unless it's in the middle of the rut and they're coming around them, not so much really to eat, but, uh, to scent check for does. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they're, they're on high alert. I mean, it's just, uh, so I've had much better luck with, uh, gravity feeders. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. 
because that way there's no sound, you know, that scares them and, you know, and, and just draws any more negative attention to them. So, so if anything, I'll use gravity feeders, but for the most part, uh, you know, I just try to, I just try to sit up on trails, scrapes, things like that. I try to stay really kind of as mobile as I can, um, you know, to, to, um, you know, catching them in between, you know, maybe an ag field and bedding area. Um, I kind of let the natural, kind of let the natural, um, resources do the work for me. Sure. Um, yeah. Food plots. I mean, I've tried putting in food plots and we've got so many pigs that it's, it's, it's a lost cause, man. They, they destroy everything. Yeah. That's what we ran into this year. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned the gravity feeders. We actually just put in gravity feeders this year. We've been using spin casts for ever since 2012 when they, when they started deer, the deer season in Collin mm-hmm. County. Um, and so we just started using, uh, gravity feeders, which is nothing more than PVC pipe coming down from where the spin cast was, you know, right, um, right. nothing more than that. So, and it also, you also mentioned pigs. It also, if you keep that high enough, it keeps the pigs out of there unless the pigs get big enough to where they can break them, which we had happen this year, unfortunately, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I've had them, I've had the pigs get smart enough to realize the, to push the legs out from underneath uh, you know, they'll just start pushing on the legs and, mm-hmm. and push the legs out. So then I'm having to run T post. It, it just got to be a, just got to be a chore. So, um, you know, so it's, it just kind of depends, you know, what you're, what yeah. you're dealing with. Absolutely. You know? So, um, I wanted to touch on something that you mentioned earlier. Uh, you hunt mainly afternoons, uh, uh early season. That, that's for early season. Gotcha. Um, okay. Because nine times out of 10, you know, deer coming out, you know, uh, the bucks while they're still in bachelor groups, most of the time they're still, they'll get on their feet, you know, a little bit before dark and they're coming out, you know, they're feeding at night, but nine times out of 10, they're back, they're back in their bedroom or at least, you know, back in cover, uh, before daylight. Um, and so I normally really won't hunt mornings until, um, normally till about the pre-rut, um, which, which for us in our area is, uh, you know, about the time of Halloween. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I'll get in, I'll, you know, and plus that's when we start getting some, you know, we'll get some cooler mornings and stuff too. So, you know, I'll start transitioning to, to mornings then, but, but in the, when the rut starts for sure, a hundred percent, I'll, I'll hunt mornings. Gotcha. Okay. That's good to know. Are there any other, other kind of tips and tricks if there if there's someone that is listening that hunts area similar to Collin County are there any tips and tricks that you can offer um just in in the years of experience that you've had um well like I say I mean a lot of it's going to be different for you know where you hunt you know how big, big your property is what type of trees you have on the property um you know cuz I get in some situations where Ideally, I, I enjoy like I like hunting out of lock on stands, um, you know, and, and a lot of times I'll use a lock on stand with climbing sticks. So that way I can move. I can stay mobile and, and move around to where I need to instead of just going, well, my permanent stand, the wind's not right all this week. So I can't hunt this week. You know what I mean? Yep, so, absolutely. So, so I'll, I'll have mobile stands to where, you know, I already have some, you know, areas in mind. You know, it, the the wind is everything 
for me. Um, okay. With old fans coming in, the wind direct, your wind is everything. I, I mean, and I'm, I'm a big advocate of, you know, of scent crusher. And, you know, I, I agree with, you know, scent elimination and all that. Well, you're never going to 100% eliminate it. I don't care what you use. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that's how, that's how deer live i mean that's how they survive and and nothing's going to beat their nose and so the the wind is so is just so critical you know and um so if your stand's not set up for the right wind you know or if you're if it's kind of cutting across to where you know they better come out of just you you just can't even chance it because i mean man you start getting on a you know five plus year old deer i mean and he's he's in that staging area and he smells that he ain't coming out and he might not ever come out over there right yeah uh, in daylight you know and so it's um you know walking to and from your stand i mean it's critical not you know if you if you are hunting over bait um you know say if you're hunting over a feeder just making sure that you're not walking through the area that those deer are going to come into because it's it's no different i mean you're wearing rubber boots scented whatever you know deer urine on the bottom doesn't really matter they they can smell your human scent and mm-hmm. they can tell fresh and you just don't want them on on high alert or it may be one of those deals to where they cross over your trail where you walked in you know before you see them you might not ever see them you know and right and uh you know so i would say just understanding you know wind directions knowing you know where your best stands are and, and where the best wind direction is um because i mean the, the 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 biggest issue is people always follow those cameras going man i got these deer coming every single day <laughs> and, you, and and you might have the wind just kind of swirling a little bit dude i'm telling you you, you it, it's amazing how fast a deer can pick you out with with swirling wind oh like yeah that. just one little thing that they feels not right or sense it's not right and it's game over. I mean, you know, little small bucks and, and does that they, they might come in there and, and kind of look around and then just go back to normal, normal life. But a, a big mature buck is not going to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Um, that's one thing I'll be utilizing uh, this next coming up season is I'm going to try out a, a tree saddle. I don't know if you tried those out or not. Or if you look into them at all, I, I haven't. I, I know what you're talking about. Um, I haven't. I haven't tried them. Um, you know, just not not knocking that I won't ever try it. I just uh, I, I, I don't Skeptical. know, man. About <laughs> the mobility up there that just kind of freaks me out a little. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, I understand. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing that I'm gonna. I'm going to try out, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not sold by any means, but I, I've only gotten up in a tree with it one time. And so, uh, we're going to, we're going to see how it goes. But, um, that's one thing that, especially on my property has been a, a struggle is that we only have tripods. And so having to hunt with a bow and I, I don't hunt with a crossbow, having to hunt with a bow out of a tripod is, you know, it, it proves its struggles because you're, right. you're out there in the open, basically you're not right. hidden in a tree. Um, one thing I do have is a ground blind, which kind of helps a little bit, but setting that up in the right spots is, is difficult as well. So, yeah, that, 
that's the biggest thing I would say, you know, I mean, a lot of people love the, love the ground blinds just in, in terms of the comforts of it. For one out of rain, um, you know, it conceals you, but I would say if, if there's ever one strategy at all, you have to make sure that it is brushed in to where it basically, it doesn't look like a pop-up line. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is if you don't, man, there's nothing that makes deer more skittish. I mean, I've, I've watched, I've watched deer purposely go around areas that we've had pop-up blinds that had been sitting there for a year. Oh, wow. It's so used to it they just associate it with danger i mean they just you know whether that was them coming by and could smell our scent where we had been um you know previously they just they don't want no part of it mm-hmm. but the goat, they'll walk right up to it dang near stick their head in it you know i mean <laughs> so, but the the big bucks they, they don't want no part of that yeah yeah they've they've seen it all for sure um one thing i didn't add in my notes before we uh before we started recording was and i know everybody wants to get to the stories uh, of the of the two big deer that you killed these last few years but one thing i was curious about is i noticed in your in your instagram bio that you're uh ambassador of a couple of things and you're you know a field staffer of a couple of things um i just wanted to kind of get the backstory of how how all that got started for you and and how you got involved with all those all those different companies Okay. Uh, so, so one of them obviously is, um, is SCI, um, which, you know, they're pretty much the, the biggest advocate, um, you know, for hunting rights. And, uh, so, you know, obviously with the, with the Trump election, there was a lot of campaigns from Donald Trump Jr., uh, which is a big hunter. Um, And, um, and so there was a lot of push from them, um, you know, trying to get that help. And then of course the election didn't quite swing the way everybody thought. And so after, you know, um, Trump had, had passed one of the bills for a lot of, um, um, uh, access to public land, um, you know, we don't know how that's all going to shake out now, but, um, but yeah, I'm partnered with, with SCI. I'm just trying to help push some conservation efforts and, um, you know, it's, it just kind of spread the word. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of States that are banning, like we've got California that's, you know, trying to ban bear hunting and, you know, you've got States trying to ban mountain lion hunting. You've got stand, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's all over. And, um, you know, I mean, the, the hunting industry and hunters in general, in general are, are shrinking, you know, and it's uh, a lot of it's our society that just doesn't understand it or, they weren't brought up hunting, you know, and right. we're getting more of that, you know, the, the, you know, you're, you've got people that, that didn't grow up hunting. They don't understand it. And all they think is we're out killing innocent animals, right? you know, not realizing that, you know, we're eating. I mean, yeah, granted you get some trophy hunters that maybe donate the meat, but majority of the hunters, I mean, we eat what we hunt, Absolutely. you know, but you, you have a whole lot of people that don't grasp that reality. And, yes. um, so anyway, um, uh, so, so I'm partnered with him, with them to obviously just try to, you know, share the voice of what they're trying to achieve and keep hunting alive and especially for new generations. And so, um, so that's, so that's that, um, cool. and then, uh, and then NUMA outdoors, which is a hunting apparel. Um, I got, 
partnered up with them. Um, a friend of mine, Cody Roberts, he actually owns NUMA. Oh, and, gotcha. uh, awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's a funny story because how I ended up meeting him is he also owns trophy scan, uh, which they do, uh, kind of like volumetrics on, um, on antlers. And so, um, he's got a, he's got a, a patented software that they can scan in the antlers and it gives you the total amount of bone that a deer grows on its head compared to like your Boone and Crockett scores where, you know, they take so much for deductions and blah, right, blah, blah. Right, all that. Yep. Uh, this one's saying how much, how much antler did this deer grow without, you know, I mean, you're getting a total volume, not, not saying, okay, well, it's got a drop time. So we're going to deduct this and whatever. So, <laughs> right. Anyway, so he, he had that, uh, he was running that company when I went to the state awards for my 2018 buck. Gotcha. And, uh, so that was where I met him and, and the group of his partners. And, and one thing, you know, we just, we clicked immediately and kind of one thing went to the other. And at the time I was wearing Kuyu and, um, and he was like, Hey man, I've, I've got this, this new company. And, um, you know, wondered if you'd, uh, you know, be interested in, in partnering up with us on it. And I was like, yeah, man. Absolutely. And so, <laughs> uh, so he, uh, he shot me over some stuff and wore it and I fell in love with it. And so I'm, I'm full NUMA guy now. That's cool. So, uh, so yeah. real quick, this trophy scan, is that, uh, is, is that where they, you know, you have your, your buck on a pedestal or, or whatever, and you can actually physically scan and it just goes around the, the, the buck yeah. itself. Yep. So, so they, I think I've seen so this he, before. So he can kind of scan really anything. He can scan fish, and he can they can do three D modeling of them. Um, gotcha. And like make your uh, replicas of. Okay. Of yeah. Air. When you get a big bass or something, sure. Yeah. Like you know uh, paperweights or necklaces or, or whatever. Um, I mean, it's kind of like limitless on on what all you can do with them. But um, so on mine, yeah, it looks like just a bunch of like super fast flashing lights yeah yeah and it, and it comes through in an ipad which has all their software integrated into it and it they go around scan the whole thing all the antlers and then it spits out what the total volume of antlers um of antler growth is is on that on that deer's head and so uh they're actually um working with sci right now to to become one of their official scores oh that's awesome yeah we had yeah. a one of our staffers uh and me and sam uh sam's a ceo we work uh at a with the fire with the fire department and one of our staffers works with us up there and so he had a he shot a i think it was like 204 inch white tail or something like that well he entered it it was like five years ago he entered it in text trophy hunters and uh, uh -huh. i think when he took his his deer up there they did the trophy scan yeah it. yeah they, yeah they've been at the uh text trophy hunters extravaganza um, yeah that one yep that's and, it and uh and and they have they have basically like a pull in trailer that has the tv screens and you can watch it when they're scanning it and it basically builds like a 3d model and yeah it's it's that's it's wild yeah yeah, so so that was how I kind of fell into into that deal. Well, cool. And that's, then, that's a cool story. Then yeah. Bent Crusher uh, just kind of kind of you know opened that door a little bit after um, after the the big my biggest year to date. Uh, just kind of opened that door of, of teaming up with them. Yeah, that's awesome. 
uh, and then Wooby Shoes. I know that's kind of a weird uh, dynamic in terms of the hunting world, but uh, got some buddies that, um, you know, uh, former Green Brays, um and uh, started this started the the company for for the or the shoe company. Um, they they make them in Prosper. Um, oh, really? So yeah. I had just discovered them not long ago. I'd say probably two months ago. And uh, you know, I just thought they were they were cool looking shoes. And then I you know, it was a veteran started company or a veteran owned operated company. And so I was like, man, this is neat. And uh, and so I didn't. I had no idea. I didn't do any research in them. Really, I just thought I just followed them on Instagram, you know. And yeah. to find out that they are based out of Prosper, that's crazy. Yeah. So obviously, you know, made in made in America shoes, but made in in Texas. Um, yeah, right there. Even better. In <laughs> um, and Tim Kennedy is a partial owner. Uh, Tim Kennedy's um, UFC fighter, former Green Bray. Um, you know probably look him up pretty uh pretty familiar face but <laughs> yeah, um, right right yeah and, um, yeah so so anyway partnered up partnered up with those guys on uh, you know just kind of helping spread the word where i can but yeah i love, love their shoes they're they're awesome that's awesome yeah i'm planning on getting me a pair pretty soon so i don't know um all right well cool uh appreciate you sharing what sharing that stuff with us absolutely all right let's jump into the story time <laughs> uh, uh so i had the first on the first on the list is the big eight that you shot this past season it was crazy to me how much mass that dude had like it just seemed yeah. the picture you posted on instagram is just like he was thick <laughs> yeah, yeah so so funny story is um he was actually on the property that i shot my 2018 buck okay um He's on the same property. Um, this buck we had last year was um, a ten point. Really? And okay. Yeah, yeah. He was he was pushing. He was probably pretty close to about a one seventy. Uh, he was say, between a one sixty five one seventy uh, ten point last year, and um, and so obviously he survived the season you know nobody got on him because he he was very very reclusive deer and um and not a whole lot of daylight pictures of him and so you know fast forward into this coming season i actually had a buck this summer uh that i that i had coming in quite a bit and um he was i would say he was going to be sitting somewhere between 185 to 190 inch Whoa, yeah. that's wild. And, uh, yeah, I've actually got a, there's a video, if you scroll through there, there's a video of him walking by, and I mean, he's in velvet, just, I mean, just stupid. <laughs> and so, I had him pretty much, um, you know, every other day, he was coming, you know, to one of my gravity feeders, and I was like, okay, if he'll just hold this pattern, you know, for a couple months into the, get into opening weekend, that's going to be game time, and well, sure enough, so, he goes through June, July, August, um, you know, and I'm just watching him blow up. And I was like, oh, my gosh, man, this, this sucker is going to be insane when he sheds his belt off. And, and um, anyway, so about about that time um, that, you know, the deer started shedding their velvet, which was in September, um, I didn't get any more pictures of him. 
I mean, he wasn't coming by regularly and I'm thinking, man, I'm a month away, dude, come on, you know? (laughs) Um, and so, you know, another week goes by, I don't see another week goes by and I'm seeing some new bucks kind of moving around. So I thought, okay, maybe they're kind of transitioning, breaking, breaking out of bachelor groups, Mm -hmm. you know, into their fall ranges and stuff. So, but a lot of the, uh, farmers were cutting ag fields. And I had already kind of pinned down just because of where he came from and where he went the same way, you know, came in the same way and left the same way every time. And he only came on certain wind directions. And uh, so I kind of pinned down where he was betting, like the general area. And uh, anyway, they cut those ag fields. And um, and so ever since they had cut those, I, I never got another picture of them. Uh, never saw oh. them for the rest of the season. And, um, but a buddy of mine had told me that one of his friends got a picture of him, uh, cause I had showed him the, the deer and he got a picture of him about three and a half miles, uh, from our place. Um, later in the life, it was like October. Wow. And, and so I was like, well, you know, um, and as, as far as I know, he didn't get shot this year. So if he, if he's not over 200 inches next year, then something's wrong. But, um, yeah, anyway, so, so that was kind of my target buck. That was the one I was aiming for. And, uh, anyway, he, he disappeared. So I nicknamed him the phantom buck. We kept thinking, man, he'll show back up in November. He'll come back home looking for does. He spent all summer here. Never did, never came back. So then I kind of transitioned to this point going, all right, well, I've got my other leases. So I'm kind of just monitoring cameras, um, you know, going, all right. So now I don't really particularly have a target buck. I'm just going, I'm going to find the oldest, most mature deer. And that's what, you know, what I'm going to focus on. Well, so this eight point was one of the oldest mature deer, but I didn't have any pictures of them. I have two other guys on that lease and both of them had him, you know, quite a bit. Okay. Um, fairly at night, but they had, you know, some daytime pictures. I never had any pictures of them. Hmm. Never came to, to my stand once. And, um, so he didn't, he didn't really initially start out as my target buck. Cause I thought, okay, I'm, I mean, I'm not even, I'm not even in the game with this guy. Cause I'm not, I'm not seeing him. He's, he's bedding over there close to them. So, um, so I had another property that I was going focusing on. I was hunting, um, had a really good buck showing up there. And, um, so he was, he was kind of my strategy. Well, so then November rolls around and, um, and it was on November 16th. I've got a, I've got a stand kind of on the North end that I ne- I'd hardly hunted at all, um, throughout the season and I've got cell cameras. Well, my cell cam goes off and it's the big eight point and he's right behind, uh, a group of does. And so I was like, okay, well, so I saw that there was kind of a big winter wheat field that we had out there and he was in that open field. And, um, I was like, well, he's got to be tending this doe for mm-hmm. him to be out in the open field like this. Right. Cause he's for, never even been over there. And, uh, anyway, and so, uh, you know, I had work, had some things going on. So the next day at like five fifteen. Like right before dark, another picture in the exact same spot. He comes right back out, following those does. And I was like, all right, 
I've got to go make this happen. I was like, if he comes back out a third time, cause, you know, cause a lot of times they'll tend does for, you know, two to four days. And, um, and so I thought, well, if he does this third day in a row, you know, we're going to, we're going to make some magic happen. And so sure enough, that third day I go out there, get in, stand, I don't know, probably three fifteen somewhere around there. And, um, and it was, it was pretty windy, but my wind was blowing out across the open field. They had been coming from this, you know, thick, uh, thick area that was upwind from me. So I knew my wind would be right. Everything would be perfect if, if they kind of did the same sequence. Right. Well, sure enough. So right about, I don't know, it's probably five o'clock. Um, I see some does start coming out of the, out of the draw. Well, this time, instead of coming down the trail in front of me, they come in behind me and uh, which wasn't a big deal until they got out to the open field because that's where my wind was blowing. Right. Well, so sure enough, I see them, you know, there's like five of them. They kind of come through and, and the buck, um, you know, I didn't see him initially, but I could hear something walking like in the thicker brush, you know, back behind them. Well, anyway, the, so the does get out there and they start walking out onto the winter wheat field and, and, Right at this point, they're, you know, they're about 30 yards behind me, kind of, you know, at an angle. So I wasn't too concerned at that point. Well, then all of a sudden she starts walking down, like, towards my downwind side. <laughs> I was like, like oh, great. Yeah, well, and at, the time I had, yeah, at the time I hadn't seen the buck, so it didn't, it was, it was like, but it's still, I was like, she's about to blow the, blow the woods out right here at last light. Right. And uh, anyway, well, sure enough. So I'm sitting there watching her and I, her nose goes up in the air and I was like, Oh, great. Here we go. <laughs> well, luckily some pigs walked out, uh, onto the field and it took her tension away and she starts looking at them. Well, then she starts stomping at them. And so she's looking at them the whole time. And I know she's sitting there thinking, okay, I, I smell something that's not right, but the pigs were bothering her cause they were so close. And so I'm sitting there watching and I see something out of the corner of my eye and it's the eight point. He walks out of the edge of the brush onto the open field. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, <laughs> this, I was like, this is really going to happen. So, and then this year I was actually, or on that hunt, I was actually using a Benjamin airbow. It's like a, um, it's like a compressed air it shoots. It shoots an arrow, but it, uh, it looks like a little like compact gun. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've heard of those. Yeah, so they just legalized them like a couple of years ago, and um, anyway, so I ha- happened to have it with me just because of where I was hunting. With, you know, I knew it was going to be a little bit further range, and so anyway, uh, so he walks out, get positioned, and you know, the doe gets scared. And she starts trotting off. Well, he starts trotting in behind her. Mm. So of course, I'm just like, eh, eh, you know, and I finally get him stopped. <laughs> I rushed the shot. I made an actually really crappy shot, and. Um, it was kind of high up on the shoulder, like right below the spine. And, you know, it was a full pass through. And, um, anyway, but I, I see him run off and he, he just clears the fence, like nothing. And I was like, Oh, that's not a good sign. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, I, I give him, I don't know, probably about an hour, get down, I go follow blood. He, there was actually really good blood for about a hundred yards. And, um, you know, and, and at this point it's dark. And so I'm like, all right, man, I'm going to back out, come back tomorrow so I can see. And, um, so long story short, um, uh, I call into work for the next day and I was like, Hey, you know, I've got a 
I go, I go look for this deer, you know, whatever. And, uh, so I go down there and, um, and my arrow was, you know, it, it was sheared off on the tip. So I knew it had hit some bone, but it was a full pass through. And mm. so, um, so I, I go back down to where I last had, you know, the, or had the last blood. So I'm actually on my hands and knees, like looking for the next spot of blood. Uh, cause it kind of started, you know, tapering out a little bit. Right. And, and so when I was, yeah, I see the deer coming out of the ravine and I'm like, is this really him? Like I'm, I'm looking for him like dead on the ground and he's walking out of the ravine and he's kind of cutting through like some, uh, some, uh, like cattails and like uh ragweed. And, uh, he doesn't see me on the ground and he just kind of walks through and I can see the hole, uh, you know, up above his shoulder and still had blood like matted on, you know, on his, um, on his, uh, hide. Wow. But limping, not nothing. And he, so he walks and then kind of angles away and goes back down the ravine. Never knew I was there. And so I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And so, so I was like, okay, well, obviously he's going to live. So I'm going to back out of here and, um, and, you know, come back and hunt him in a day or two. Cause obviously he's still out, you know, looking for does. And anyway, so I go to back out. Well, this 10 point comes walking down the trail and, and this is, this is at like eight o'clock in the morning. And, um, anyway, this, uh, 10 point comes walking down the trail. Well, so my wind direction is blowing this, you know, toward him. And I was like, all right, well, he's about to, he's about to start blowing at me. And sure enough, he has his head down on the ground and he gets my wind. He looks up, starts blowing. Well, when he started blowing at me, this other little buck comes blowing and running out of there. Well, they both take off, like running back to the creek, just blowing across the countryside. And, <laughs> and what he did, the big eight point comes just barreling back out of this little draw. And he's running over saplings, breaking off branches. His hair was all bristled up. Like, I've never seen anything like, like it in, wow. in person. And I would have given anything to have had my GoPro or camera to record it. But, of course, I wasn't expecting the deer to still be alive right. uh, that day either. But, fortunately, I did happen to have my airbow with me. And um, and thank goodness that I did. Because, anyway, he come, he come just, I'm talking, barreling in there. And, um, just, I mean, pissed off. Like he was wanting to fight somebody like, where are these bucks that's in my spot? You know, <laughs> so his head's just like whipping around. Like he's just trying to find them. And I'm on the ground behind a tree and he comes storming in and he stops 25 yards from me and he's facing me, but he's looking, you know, like to the side. And, um, anyway, so I pull up, I shoot straight through the chest, like right at the bottom of the neck. And he runs about 50 yards and falls over. He actually fell in one of his scrapes. And I was oh, wow. like, I was like, what just happened? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, you can't make this up. Right. Yeah. And I go over there and get him. And of course, you know, once I, you know, finally, put, I mean, I knew he was, you know, his, he had good mass, but, um, it, it was just, it was like, man, this is just, just crazy, you know, because, you know, we, we put in a lot of hours trying to hunt big mature deer and, and it's, it's nuts because everybody there wanted to shoot this deer, but I was thinking, man, I'd love to shoot him, but he's not, he's not showing up in my area. And then all of a sudden the, the lady's got him in trouble 
and uh, that was all she wrote, man. <laughs> that is a wild story. Yeah, That's I, crazy. I, I would have given yeah, I would have given anything to have been able to record that because I mean, it was literally one of the coolest things I'd ever seen. Yeah. I mean, he's just blowing steam out his nose. And I mean, his hair was all bristled up. And of course, you know, his neck was still swollen from the rut. So, I yep. mean, he just looked tank running through there. And uh, I mean, it, it was pretty intense. That's crazy. That's just, and that'll be one of those things that you never forget either. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, did you end up getting him scored? So I had a, I had a rough score on it. Um, and they uh, came up with 151. Dang. Which, that is crazy. Which, which you know for for an eight point is is pretty good because yeah, you just don't absolutely. have many times to to you know make up. So I mean, he he ultimately made up that that score off of his mask because it's it's not like he you know was just like seventeen inch G twos or anything. For sure, for sure. So, um, but yeah, it's it. But yeah, it, the thing is, I mean, he was he was about I would say he was fifteen to twenty inches bigger last year. Um, you know, but he, um, he, he just started declining. I mean, yeah, he, it was like, time to take him for sure. Yeah. He was an old deer and he was on his, he was on the downhill slide. So I was like, man, I'm just, if there's ever a deer that I'm going to take, that's the one I'd want it to be, you know, one yeah, that's absolutely. past his prime. And, but yeah, so it was, it was, it was pretty awesome. That's cool. Sound like everything worked out then deer on the it ground. Was, so yeah, it yeah. worked out. <laughs> yeah. It worked out, so cool. I got lucky. Well, it's gonna. I don't know if I don't know if we'll be able to to top that story, but that brings us into our into our next story with that 2018 giant. Well, yeah, <laughs> that story was was a little was a little nutty too, and of course I didn't record any of that one. Uh, I at least recorded some of the 18 or of the of the last year's buck. Um, but I didn't, I didn't even have a camera on me, um, for my 2018 deer, um, you know, which is pretty unfortunate, you know, but, sure. um, so long story short, I ended up getting on, uh, I ended up getting on the lease, um, on, um, uh, basically on November 1st, uh, had oh, some wow. friends, Hey man, got this lease. I was like, man, I know exactly where that's at. Cause I actually had a buddy that was, had been hunting it the years before and um uh, and so new ownership came bought it and they were like hey do you want to get on i was like yeah i'm in <laughs> and uh just because I, I knew the caliber of deer that you know that was in that area and yep. so um so anyway um we get on the least november 1st i go down like november 5th and uh just do some scouting just kind of looking around because i'd never been on the property before and i found a, a tree that it was about a 10 inch diameter tree that was just a rate all the way down. Wow. And I was like, okay, now we're talking, you know? <laughs> and, and so I, I had a cellular camera. Um, and, uh, and so I put my spot point cellular camera on, you know, looking at that, that rub. And I thought, okay, he may not come back to the rub, but there was some other rubs around it. So I was like, man, you know, and it was under a big uh, oak tree. So I thought, okay, he's he's coming to this area, so he might not come to this rub, but I'll at least catch him passing through. Well, sure enough, that later that night, that same night, I got a picture of him, his first picture I had of him. And I was like, oh, dear God. I was like, this ain't <laughs> real. And I initially, my first guess, uh, you know, because 
you know, once I, I started showing some of the other guys on the lease and they were like, holy crap, you know, and, and um, we all kind of took guesses on it. And I guessed he was 223. And, um, and so, you know, a couple other guys guessed he was a little higher and, and one of the guys guessed he was a little lower. And, you know, so it was kind of one of those deals. Well, there's only one way to find out. You know? <laughs> right. So, yeah. Anyway, so everybody's attention at this point, because I was the only one that had him on camera at first. And so everybody's like, oh, dude, we're in on this thing, you know. And so pretty much everybody was hunting that deer. And um, and so I didn't hunt him at all until I got it started getting daylight pictures of him um, just because I didn't want to go into that area because I was like, OK, obviously he this is his spot and I didn't want to go in there for one to have to check cameras, which is why I use my cell cameras. Uh, but I didn't want to go in there, uh, and get sent in the area just for one, cause not knowing where he was betting. Uh, I did, I just didn't want to screw it up, you know, right from the start. And so, um, so basically what I did is I kind of let the cameras, you know, show me what he's doing. He was mainly moving at, you know, well after dark, I wasn't getting any daylight pictures. So, um, so I was going down to some different areas, putting some cameras out and I, I kind of noticed he was only sticking to this one South end. He really wasn't going any to the North. And, um, so, you know, at this point I don't even have stands up. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, where my, where this deer is going to be killable in, in daylight. And at the time I'm going, I don't know if he's even going to show up in daylight. He right, may yeah. be nocturnal and maybe how he got that big, you know? And so, um, so we kind of go through the, you know, do the motions. I'm taking cameras, kind of moving some around on, on the outskirts of where I think that he was betting, just so I'm not going into his, you know, bedding area. And then, um, you know, but I'm getting a ton of pictures of it at night in the same spot on the south. So I was like, all right, this is this is his domain. This is his spot, you know. And and um, so then I find uh, I started seeing, um, you know pictures of him coming out a little closer, you know, right, you know, right after, um, it, it was getting dark, you know, there for a while it was like 10, 11 at night. Well, then it was, you know, it, it was, he was coming out 10 minutes after, after dark, you know, five minutes okay. after dark. Okay. We're getting a little closer here. And, um, and so then the first daylight picture I got of him was on November 13th. And, so I was like, all right, it's go time. And so that was when I, uh, I went and took, I hung a, basically a mobile stand. I, I used climbing sticks and like a, like a muddy lock on stand. And I took that and put it on a beat down trail. Um, you know, that was leading into his bedding area on one side. It was on, it was on like the North end. So that gave me my, you know, my, basically my South wind it was my set. It was on the North, but it was my South wind stand, gotcha. you know, cause, cause he would have been coming from the South in his bedding area. So I, I, I hung a, a stand right there. And then I had another one that was on the South end that I went ahead and, and placed uh, a lock on over by that rub that he had been, you know, coming to pretty frequent. Mm -hmm. And so, um, <clears throat> so anyway, um, on November 17th, some of the other guys were hunting on the property and they were down at the South end. Well, we had a South wind. So I was like, well, I'm just going to use kind of common sense here and think, okay, well, if the wind, their wind is blowing into his bedding area. Well, he's got to get up and eat at some point. So why not hunt the North end? And maybe I get lucky and it pushes him to me. Well, sure enough. So 
I sit on the I sit on the north end, and I guess it's about eight forty five. I see the, some legs kind of coming through the woods, um, down through the brush, and on the trail that, that I was twenty yards from a scrape on this old oak tree, mm. and I'm like okay, whatever buck this is is about to end up rotting rotting my lap, and so so I see him coming down. Well, then I can see the antlers, and I was like. Oh my God, this is him. <laughs> and so then it, then it set in of going, he's about to come to the scrape and this, this is about to go down, you know? And so, um, you know, so I'm at this point, I'm trying to just hold it together. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I think anybody I, would be, I, anybody be struggling to hold it together. Oh yeah. I mean the perfect win. I mean, the wind was to my face. I mean, I mean, I was like, couldn't have been in a better position. So I was like, okay, well, there's a tree here. If he comes down, that's when I'm going to draw back. So I don't have to worry about getting busted with movement. I mean, I, I was ready to go. Well, for whatever reason, he turned and changed. He went off of that trail and he came out. I had a like, kind of a little shooting lane. Well, he was at 45 yards and he stood right at the edge of that lane, which I mean, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't know. I say I wouldn't have shot him over that 40 yard mark. Um, but it would have, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm at this point, I'm almost glad that he didn't, uh, you know, test me. Cause, uh, I, I don't know what happened and, uh, <laughs> anyway. And so, but he stood right at the edge. He kind of looked around this little ravine and he was looking around. So I could tell he was scanning for does. Cause I, I was at the edge of a doe bedding area and he turned around, walked back in the way he came. And I was like, Okay, so he's a hundred percent betting between me and where the other guys were on the, on the south end. So so I, I I narrowed that down to where he was, and then it was just a matter of going. You know, now I got to be in the right place at the right time. So anyway, so at that point I put in. I was basically hunting every day. I mean, like most all day hunts. I mean, I'd put in over a hundred hours between um, between then and whenever i ended up shooting him mm -hmm. um so i got to i don't know uh i'm trying to think whatever day i guess it was the 22nd which was how or which was uh not halloween um thanksgiving and gotcha. so i told told the wife we had a bunch of family coming in and she's like i was like hey i just got to go hunt i was like he's he's been showing up in daylight he's coming to my gravity feeder you know he's eating out of the feeder and i was like you know which is unheard of and so um so i was like i just got to go hunt for a little bit i won't be long hunt a couple hours i'll come home be back before everybody gets here whatever she's like all right just don't be late so <laughs> you know get up super early uh i get down there get set up and of course the wind he had been coming into that gravity feeder um but the wind wasn't right for that stand um the permanent stand that i had up so i was like well, that's where I need to be, but I don't ever want to hunt a stand that the wind's not right. So what I ended up doing is taking a ghost blind, uh, which are, I don't know if you've seen them. They're like mirrored panels. Yeah. They angle yeah okay. They like ground. So, so I took a, a ghost blind and I set it up on the opposite side. So the wind was in my favor. So I set up not seeing anything really the first part of the morning. And another buddy that was on the lease, he was hunting uh, that morning he texts me and says hey man just saw the the drop time buck hard on a doe he was headed south 
And so I was like, okay. I mean, he's like three quarters of a mile from me. I was like, the chances of him ever running over here is like slim to none. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and sure enough, it's probably not even 10 minutes goes by and I hear crashing and running like through the woods, like Mm -hmm. to my right. And, uh, anyway, so I'm kind of looking over and there's like this little, you know, patch of like kind of, you know, just some tall grass. And I see this doe come out of the woods and she starts running through the, through the grass, like right at me. And, um, I can hear running and running back behind her, but I couldn't see what it was because it was still thick. Well, so she runs literally like straight for me and she stops literally 10 yards in front of me. And, uh, and of course she doesn't see me, you know, cause the mirror panels, they don't, you know, uh, they angle down to the ground. So it's not like she's seeing her own reflection. Right. Being right. That, uh, but she stops and I'm sitting there, I'm like looking through like a little like slot on the, on the panels. Like I'm kind of hunkered down behind it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I'm looking at it, at her and she stops and she's looking back Her tongues hanging out. She's panting and I can hear you know, crashing and, and grunting still coming through the woods. But she's so close at this point, I can't even turn to my right and look because, I mean, she would see me. And right. uh, and so luckily she turns and kind of starts angling back uh, and going kind of back the way she came, but like, kind of like looping around. And so as soon as she started trotting off, I look over and I see the drop time buck coming right at me. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, what am I going to do? I mean, he's going to see me if I try to draw back, you know, because the ghost blind, you know, your head and shoulders are still sticking out, you know, so you can shoot like kind of through the slots or over the top. And I was like, Holy crap. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to pull this pull back without him seeing me. And luckily the doe, she kind of started going away from me. And when she did, he changed his angle. And so he started going to cut her off. So he was, he was kind of quartering away from me. Um, but he was still trotting. He was at kind of a slow trot. Mm-hmm. And anyway, he gets behind this limb, I pull back and, you know, same old song and dance. He's just, meh, meh, right. Meh. And I'm like progressively getting louder and he ain't stopping. And I was like, dude, this is now or never. So, uh, he was right at 40 yards. Um, cause I, I kind of knew right through the opening where he was coming, um, because it was where my camera was. And so I knew where he, you know, how far the distance was without having to range him just because of the trees that he was going by. And anyway, and so I just led on his, uh, on his near side shoulder and, uh, just led him just a little bit and shot. And when I did, it ended up going through his, the back of his rib cage and coming out his far side, uh, through the back of his far side shoulder. Hmm. And so, you know, I knew it hit the liver and, and everything. It was a full pass through and I see him run off and he kind of turns around the corner and I didn't see him. And so I'm sitting there at this point going, dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. You know I mean? Cause <laughs> you know, sure. I mean, you dream of a deer like that coming by, but then to get pictures of them that they're, you know, he's so elusive and you're kind of going, man, for him to ever come by within bow range is probably never going to happen, even though he's here, you know? Right. right. Uh, and so it all just happened so fast. And I mean, I was just like, that's when the adrenaline hit was after the, I saw the arrow pass through. I was just like, Oh my God, you know? And, um, <laughs> anyway, I give him a little bit, I get up, go check my arrows coated in blood. Um, 
you know, I had a, I had one of those nocturnal, um, you know, knocks on it so I could see the shot placement. So I knew it hit the vitals and anyway, so I go down awesome. just, yeah, pouring blood. I'd look out over the field and he was laying right there about 70 yards. And I was just like, dude, that's it was, insane. Yeah. It, 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 I got lucky. I mean, it, that was, that's all you can really say is a lot of luck. I mean, that'd be, <laughs> It, it could have changed angles or the doe could have ran somewhere different, um, you know, between me and my buddy where he had originally saw him and I would have never seen him that day. I mean, it, I was in the right place at the right time. Yep. Yep. That's a lot of it. But then I think as much as it is being in the right place at the right time, I think a lot of it is also your, your, you know, experience and, and, uh, tactics as well, knowing where to set up and how to set up and what to do and not to do. So, um, kudos to you as well for for being able yeah. to get get that close to him yeah yeah i appreciate it man that's that's one thing about it i realized real quick why he was nocturnal because i mean there was a lot of people that was hunting him and and the only reason i'm i'm confident the only reason that he started showing up in daylight in the middle of november was only because of the rut uh, but mm. he i mean he wasn't coming to food in daylight nothing until right in the middle of november right yeah man that is that is a cool story for sure but uh, two cool stories really um, yeah well uh two cool stories that i didn't have on camera that, uh, that <laughs> you know next year you'll have to hire you a camera guy man i know because uh <laughs> i tried this i'm trying to do in this youtube deal and i, I realize I, I really suck at that uh, and, and it uh, is a struggle Oh God, this editing is like, I want to pull my hair out. I'm just, I don't have a creative mind for that kind of stuff. So I get frustrated with it. I'm like, ah, screw it. (laughs) Well, maybe we could help you out with that. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So Chad, every, every new guest that comes on, we have uh, a set of questions. It's three questions. We used to call them our rapid fire questions, but we didn't really ask them very fast. So then they weren't really rapid fire. Um, But question number one. Uh, what is your favorite hunting memory? And I think, I don't know if maybe we just hit it or maybe it's something else, but if it's, if it is the, the 2018 buck, then that's perfect. (laughs) Well, it, it was, that was my, well, besides my first deer that I ever shot, uh, I would say my, my best memory was the 18, you know, 2018 buck, um, Cause it ended up scoring two thirty three and seven eights. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. I forgot to ask you that. Yeah. And so it ended up being the, um, the third largest white tail ever killed with a bow in Texas. That's crazy. And, um, and so of course, you know, I mean, I'm on an all time high, like dude, I'm, I'm never topping that, which, you know, I'm, I'm cool with, you know, and, uh, for sure. And so, you know, so that was my greatest memory up until uh, the 2019 season, which was the following season. Uh, my daughter shot her first buck, and uh, man, I mean, nothing, nothing will top that. You know, she was 10 years old, and um, nothing's going to top being able to, to be there and experience her first kill on her first buck, and just to see it in her eyes to realize that now she's got the same passion that I had when I was her age and killed my first deer. And man, it was just, it was a special moment, man. It was definitely, definitely cool. You know, cause as a dad, you never know how your girls, you know, whether they're, they're going to want to hunt or not, but sure, yeah. 
buddy. So that that's my best that's my best memory. That's cool, man. Uh, that's one thing that I definitely look forward to. Uh, I got a little boy. He's about to turn two right now, and so he's not quite to that age yet. But I'm I'm thinking about starting him pretty soon, just to make sure. Uh, but I, I can't wait until that day comes. So, and and that also speaks to that being your favorite memory. That also speaks to to how much it means because you kill a 233 inch deer and that tops it. And so it's just, uh, that's cool. That's cool. Really cool. Yeah. It, it, it was awesome, man. It was, <laughs> it was an emotional day for a dad. You know, <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, she was, she was just so proud of the deer and I can remember how proud of my first buck. And of course hers was way better than my first buck. My first buck was a little <laughs> jacked up little seven point that maybe scored I don't know, 10 inches. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Well, all right. Well, we'll move on to question two. Uh, is there a, a bucket list hunt that you have not, I know you've gotten to do plenty, um, but something you haven't gotten to do yet that, that is on the top of your list. Well, um, yeah. So hunting in Africa was actually one of my bucket list hunts. And, um, I was actually supposed to go last June uh, for a couple weeks. Um, I was going to be going with Miss Kendall Jones okay. uh, over to Africa to to hunt. And, of course, you know, I was kind of doing the Plains game. Um, and COVID uh, hit, and so that got canceled. And so we were supposed to be going back this summer, but now I'm hearing all kinds of restrictions on COVID shots, vaccinations. And oh, stuff. So we're kind of in limbo of what's going on, what's going to happen with that. Um, so don't, not sure if that'll, if that'll pan out, but, um, man, I hope it does. Yeah, I do too, man. Don't ask me why, but like what I want to shoot the most is a warthog. Uh, <laughs> I know That's that cool. sounds like, well, I would think like a lion or like a kudu or something. Sure. Uh, but I, I've just always wanted to shoot a warthog. I think they're super crazy looking. That's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, especially the, the crazy big ones, they got tusks that make full curls, you know, it's like insane. Yeah, for sure. All right. Number three, what is the biggest piece of advice you could give to, to some hunters out there who might hunt in a similar area that we do? Or Um, if, if you don't have one for that, uh, just a, a similar, just a piece of advice for hunting in general. Well, I mean, I would say probably my biggest piece of advice for hunting in general, uh, which which would kind of encompass really all of it, not so much just you know where we hunt, sure. But is for you know hunters to just you know respect each other's you know perception of what their what their hunts mean to them you know i i see the deer shaming all the time of people saying well, why did you shoot that or you know this and that and whatever the thing is you know we're obviously pretty blessed to live you know in an area that has the genetics to to grow big deer yeah you know sure. but there's a lot of people that don't i mean they're you know they might the biggest deer they've ever seen is 140 inch deer and that's like a legend in areas they've hunted you know and so Absolutely. You know, and so I see, you know, I see people saying that and I just, you know, it's, it, it's discouraging because 
someone you know has a passion to hunt and they want to do that and then and someone's putting them down just because of you know it didn't meet the standards of else you know that that's the biggest piece of advice advice i would say is um is man to to each his own now i get it to a certain degree for me like you know i know the potential of the caliber of deer in the areas that i hunt and so i'm always trying to shoot you know a big mature deer um but that's not always the case sometimes i don't always see you know a monster deer and so then i focus on just a mature deer i want to shoot one that's you know up there in his age class and and it's kind of maxed out on his potential yeah and you know if it's a 110 inch deer then i'm fine with that um you know so it's it's because the year before i ended up shooting one that's basically a coal buck he had like a 12 inch spike just on one side oh and that's that's what I ended up shooting, but he was really old and it was like, man, we need him out of the, out of the herd. And, uh, and I just didn't get an opportunity at the buck, you know, that I really, I really wanted because of the pressure. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things. So, you know, I just, I, I hate seeing other people getting discouraged or feel bad about the deer that they're shooting just because someone else doesn't agree with it. Yeah. You know? And I, I, like when my daughter, I posted her buck, somebody had made a comment of saying, well, is the buck even legal? It's like, well, first of all, um, you know, yes, it's legal. And second of all, I mean, why would you even say that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, it's just, I don't know. It, the negativity sometimes drives me insane, but you know, Absolutely. I, I, I get it. I mean, you know, it's, um, you know, for us, it's, it is discouraging because I've seen people shoot some deer that I would, I mean, not, I'm not judging what they're shooting, but they're shooting deer that I would, uh, I would judge and say that they're probably not legal. Now that to me is a little different story. Um, if it's an honest mistake, one thing is people just shoot and shoot is another, but it's, um, I, I would say that's the, the biggest piece of advice, man. Just, I mean, you know, just be happy that you have other hunters. You yeah, know that's what, what I was going to say is, like, I think we have enough antis that uh, we don't need to be fighting amongst yeah. each other, you know. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, cool. That's good stuff there. I appreciate that. Um, and really, I appreciate you uh, giving us the time of day to, to come on uh, on the podcast. I can't thank you enough. Well, man, I'm, I'm glad you uh, glad you reached out. And, man, definitely enjoyed it. And I'll, uh, I'll be scrolling through y'all's... Uh, through y'all's youtube i i, I like i like uh the episode that i've seen it's pretty pretty awesome and yeah if we ever uh we ever get some downtime man we'll need to go catch up go get a hunt together somewhere absolutely man let me know because i'm in hey but you can't be telling my secret spots so I, oh, I won't i won't for sure your secret's safe with me <laughs> all right well um uh chad let them know where they can find you at Okay, well, uh, so I'm on Instagram, and uh, that is at Chad Allen Jones, and Allen is A-L-A-N. Um, my Facebook page um, is also Chad Allen Jones, and my YouTube channel, which sucks, by the way, uh, <laughs> for, for editing. I, I need a good, uh, I need a good media production company to help brother out. Um, that's that's uh that's also chad allen jones and so uh and then the profile picture is the same for for all three of them to make it easy awesome well we appreciate it thanks again
yeah man i appreciate you brother well guys that's all we got for you on this episode uh if you haven't yet go check out all of follow up sessions social media we're on facebook twitter instagram um youtube uh anywhere you can find social media we're there uh go check out our website that's the hub that's where you'll find everything that we offer we got um videos recipes articles all kinds of stuff on there so if you have any questions or any uh, anything like that you can find um an area in on that website to to reach out to us also uh if you haven't yet go check out our podcast we are anywhere that you can listen to a podcast there's also a place on our website that you can go and suggest a podcast topic it's fallobsession.com slash podcast if you have a, a topic that you want us to talk about or um, a suggestion, then go there and uh, let us know. Uh, but thank you guys for listening to another Fall Obsession podcast. We will catch you later. Bye.